0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moll of Commonwealth Magazine, and with me today are two lawmakers tasked with turning our struggling, heavily congested transportation system around. Representative William Strauss of Mattapoisett and Senator Joseph Boncori of Winthrop are the co-chairs of the legislature's Transportation Committee. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. I wanted to first get a big-picture assessment from the two of you. You heard my introduction referring to a struggling transportation system, and you probably saw that poll that was released last week indicating voters aren't very happy with their commutes and aren't very optimistic about the situation improving in the future. Where do you two come down? How bad is it right now in your estimation? Senator, why don't you start off?
1: Sure. I mean, I would say uh, the transportation system in this commonwealth is... In, in a pretty bad state of disrepair, you know, we have an MBTA system that's at a $7.5 billion state of good repair deficit. Uh, our highways are about a $5 billion uh, state of good repair deficit. And our local roads are about $2 billion. Um, and, you know, that's that's a state of good repair deficit, meaning we need that money to infuse into that system to make those systems safe, reliable, and equitable and accessible, and you know that's before we talk about expansion projects across this Commonwealth that are so well needed to open up new neighborhoods and lower the price of housing and and do things of that nature.
0: Representative, how about you? Well,
1: yeah, I have to agree. Obviously,
2: and and the public knows it as well or better than than any of us sitting here. That uh, probably the best you could say is the system functions, but clearly it doesn't function well. Uh, for any number of reasons. And, and that applies to all the modes that we have, whether it's road or bus or, or, or any public transit system, including rail. And, uh, and, and there are demands there. And frankly, uh, even with the, the poll that you referenced, I have been amazed, amazed over the last couple of years at how patient uh... tolerant the public has been about this problem and uh... and we just have to address it this session
0: well that's the interesting thing most of us just gripe about this problem but the two of you can actually do something about it so i wanted to sort of get a sense if you had a laundry list of the three things you want to accomplish maybe this year or this session
2: what would they be Um, well I, i think at the top of the list is uh, or and and maybe they're equal is uh, but first among first for me is uh, a sound addition, call it taxes, whatever you want, uh, addition of revenue that is dedicated into the transportation trust fund so the public knows that if they're asked to uh, uh, provide more funds however we do it, uh, that it is required that it be spent on transportation. Second, near there is uh, a sense of where those project priorities that my colleague uh, referenced are going to be over the next 10, 20 years for our
1: transportation system. Senator, yeah, I mean, just three would be difficult. Uh, you know, there's not, you know, three things that just got us got us into this mess we're cer- we're certainly dealing with today. But I would, uh, I'd agree with the representative. I mean, we need revenue and in this infused into that system. And whether that revenue comes from taxes or user fees, um, you know, and you know, we need it infused into the system. Uh, secondly, um, you know, I do represent the city of Boston, which is just ranked uh, the worst congested city in America. Um, so, you know, we need policies that can help us deal with the congestion in the city. And for me, um, uh, the only policy that's proven to work across this country and across in, in the world, really, is congestion pricing. Um, and that's a, legisl- that's a you know, legislative uh, policy standpoint that I've championed in the legislature and I hope to see through in this session. And, and on
2: the issue of congestion, I'll, I'll just provide this personal anecdote. In the 1990s, it would probably take me about an hour and a quarter to drive 55 miles into the city. Today was as typical as ever. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. It's nearly doubled, uh, and some days it, it is doubled. And so I see that, and I think everyone out there who comes into the city for work or recreation, whatever, sees those issues, and it's, uh, it's not just the time. It's more and more of each day is crowded with uh, with the traffic jams coming in and going out. So you both say the system, however we
0: describe that system, needs more money. And it does seem like um, <clears throat> the House and Senate leaders, uh, of which you, you two are m- members of that leadership team, but the top leaders, the House Speaker and the Senate President, are, are both on board with that. What do you sense is the timetable on Beacon Hill for doing a revenue bill in regard to transportation? Is it this year? Is it next year? Or is it even further out? What do you see?
2: Uh, My feeling is it has to be during this session. So by definition, that means uh, uh, the next year and a half or so, uh, it has to happen because we need the, uh, uh, the identification of the revenue stream, whether that results in immediate projects or bonded projects, that has to be in place, I think, during the next year and a half so, uh, so we can identify those solutions. The actual date it happens, I don't know, but clearly, I think uh, any even casual reader of the news and commentary uh, knows that the, the message is out there that for transportation, more money is, is needed and that's on, if I could drag it into it, that's on a much earlier schedule than any of the separate discussions over ballot questions two or four years down the line. Senator, are you
1: in in agreement on that? You know, I I agree. I think within this session we need to fully vet the proposals on Beacon Hill and the legislation on Beacon Hill that's currently pending uh, dealing with funding and and new revenue streams for the Commonwealth's transportation system. Um, You know, because we're talking about, you know, education reform this year. Healthcare reform their share. I mean, so that's a, that's going to take a lot. Um, and I think, you know, over the two-year session, it, it'll give us an ample time to, to consider those. Um, you know, and it's going to take the legislature some true po- political courage. I mean, in two years, we also line up against, the you know, an election se- season. So, you know, it's it's tough to take those votes going into an election ci- cycle. But I think, you know, we're, we're prepared to and uh, we understand we have to. So with that the politi- I hadn't thought of
0: the political reality. Would that argue for doing it this year?
2: Well, it would uh, only if implicit in your question is that uh, uh, people have short memories. Uh, I think, look, y- you take the vote as soon as, as soon as you can because it's needed substantively. Uh, I don't think the political calculation, if you call it that, uh, really makes a difference. I think on the merits, the transportation case can be made, and and the the, the poll that uh, we've been talking about really confirms what everyone knows. I think the public gets it, maybe even earlier than than the elected people that that work on their behalf. So I, I think uh, I, I think there's a a consensus that's developed, and so the difficult decision is okay, fine. What are the actual uh, taxes or fees that get imposed and and I've said this before, uh, we end up with uh, the, the, um, the least disliked choice. No one's going to like any of the solutions. So it's the one that uh, people hate the least that I think we end up with. And do you have a sense of what that is yet? Well, for me uh, and what I've uh, um, uh, been saying to colleagues or, or publicly is it's hard to see uh, the kind of revenue – in the kinds of numbers and we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars uh, that isn't built at least as a core component around some version of a gas tax change. Whether that goes at the retail level or the wholesale, it's still built into the price. So I, I see gas taxes uh, 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 by necessity being part of that because of uh, it's an efficient tax in the sense that um, it, uh, it collects daily and just by reference, each penny on the gas tax is worth somewhere around $35 million a year in annual revenue. Senator, how about
0: you? What, do you have a smorgasbord? I, <laughs> I know you mentioned congestion pricing tolling
1: in, the, in, your, in your opening remarks. What, what do you yeah. think? I mean, you know, just given the, like, the, the nature of the building, uh, the political nature of elections and stuff like that, um, you know, we, I, th- I hope there's more than one answer here. And uh, if we're just dealing, uh, going to do what you know, the people can, you know, that's most palatable by all or, you know, what most likely to, to get through. Um, you know, we're really going to leave the state of transportation, the state of our transportation system in a state of disrepair for years to come. I mean, we need a multi-pronged approach here uh, and it needs to encompass, I think really, all things are on the table. Senate President Karen Spilker has said that, um, you know, the Transportation Committee is going to look at that. I know in the Senate there's a task force to look at revenue, uh, to look at some transportation policy and meet with experts decide you know what is the best possible solution uh, to get these revenues. If it's user fees, if it's uh, toll equity, uh, more tolling throughout our metropolitan highway system, uh, you know specific legislation like congestion tolling um that can you know not only which isn't really about raising revenue but it's really about the ability to use our uh roads more efficiently i mean are you our roads are a public use in this commonwealth um they're well underpriced uh creating a shortage in them and simple economics says that when there's a shortage of of a good you know we run out of it and that's clearly what's happened we've run out of our roads our roads get to capacity. Uh, each additional car on our roads uh, makes the transit system, um, you know, more dysfunctional. And you know, if we didn't price other public goods in our society. Uh, like water, there would be a shortage if we didn't price electricity. You know, there would be brownouts and blackouts everywhere. Um, so I think by pricing our roads accordingly, uh, we can you know use our roads more efficiently in this commonwealth.
2: And and, and I would add, it, it, as as uh, the senator talks about in terms of the economics and 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 uh, the issue on on congestion pricing, uh, I agree. I, I would use this analogy. I view transportation as, as almost like a utility and it has a cost. To provide the access to the system uh, has a cost in order to maintain it at the level and the quality and the sa- safety uh, aspects that the public expects and you have to pay for it one way or another and, and uh, you, you, you can't not pay your, uh, your, your other utility bills. Transportation system needs to be paid for, and and we have to be honest with the public about that. Have you have the two of you
0: talked uh, already, or you have you got a plan about how you're going to go about crafting legislation, or? Well, or is it more just the committee will review whatever bills are in front of you?
1: I mean, me and the chairman have a really good relationship. We talk very often about these <laughs> issues. Um, you know, we're trying to, you know, we had about a four-and-a-half-hour hearing a couple weeks ago and dealing with, uh, you know, as many bills as we possibly can at once. But, uh, you know, I think we're both committed to making the system better uh, and to working together to do that. So does that mean you're working on a bill, or what, what does that mean?
2: Oh, I, I would say at this point... Uh, the us, but also uh, amongst our colleagues, uh, everyone is is engaged in assessing uh, what kind of options are there out there for revenue. And and I agree, everything is on the table. Uh, and so uh, our discussions may be uh, a little more detailed than, than others are having, but uh, there isn't a specific bill that's sitting there in a draft form, if that's your question, no.
0: It's not my question, but I guess, uh, how do you go about uh, I mean, you're saying here's what we need to do. Uh, you guys would seem to be the ones that have to sort of pull the trigger and say, here's what we're going to at least put out there for discussion and then get the ball rolling. Some, you guys are the ones that have to start that conversation.
2: Well, let me say it this way because it's there's uh, always this – sense uh, appropriately as to well what do what do those people in the legislature actually do? Uh, we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we weren't in some way uh, summarizing for our respective colleagues in each chamber. That includes leadership, that includes uh, uh, rank and file members. Uh, the list of different options that are out there, what the revenue generated is, and and how it would function. That's kind of our responsibility is to marshal those facts. So um, uh, to indirectly answer, uh, as I say, it would be irresponsible if we weren't doing that kind of specific examination.
0: Okay, Uh, let's talk a little bit about the MBTA, everybody's favorite subject. The agency seems to be making some progress on a number of fronts. Uh, I think the public perception is that it's not making much progress, but I I think you'd have to say that uh, change is coming, some improvements are coming. Um, Is is this an agency you guys are going to have to deal pretty soon with how it's governed because the Fiscal and Management Control Board, I think, is due to its five-year expiration date is coming up next year. Um, When you look at that, I think, Senator, you have a bill that sort of mirrors what the control board, if I'm not mistaken, has, has suggested might be a replacement body. But do we need a, a T-board overseeing it? Uh, and or, or what kind of changes are you envisioning for that?
1: You know, I wasn't in the legislature when the uh, control board was instituted. Um, but I, you know, and I know there was some skeptics out there about that. But I think, you know, from my perspective, you know, working in this building uh, and with that board, it's worked very well uh, in providing a level of transparency to to the public and how the money's spent by providing public meetings, so on and so forth. And I think we've seen the t turn around um, to a great deal. And again, you know, it's it's not a quick turnaround as none of this stuff is. But you know, it has the fiscal control board. Um, you know, for my money, it's the best the best way to to run the run that agency. Um, and you know, I, I filed a bill. Um, I hope that we do you know reinstitute the the, um, the governance board of the MBTA. I, I would say I,
2: I was one of
1: those uh, skeptics before
2: the control board existed as to whether uh, that was going to, in effect, interfere with the, the chain of command and the responsibility between the, uh, the general manager of the T, the secretary, and then on up to the governor. But my view on, has evolved uh, to the point where I'm happy that the control board is there if for no other reason than on most Mondays, uh, not only is, is the public impressed there, but everyone uh, gets to uh, have explained in a public setting different things that are running on or going on with the tea uh, and uh, uh, reams of information that were never really uh, presented before. And I think that's also had an effect internally for the T and its operations to know that there is this regular outlet uh... where their operations are being reviewed and discussed so uh... i've become much more of a fan of uh... the c- control board kind of model do we have to call it the control board I, I, I don't know but uh... but there is a role there that i think uh... i've 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 learned to love
0: I i, I tend to agree with you but um, there. This is probably getting in down in the weeds a little bit, but right now the control board, all the members are appointed by the governor, and um, the secretary of transportation, Stephanie Pollack, sits in on most of the meetings, so she's an active participant, but she doesn't vote. Um, there's been some talk about, oh, we need some municipality uh, participation on this board, or we need this group in a, in this in the, on the board. Um, But do you think the governor needs to have all the control of all the members? And the other big issue, I think, they meet three out of four Mondays probably right now, and it's a lot of time is spent with both them between them and the staff uh, handling these meetings. And there's a huge benefit, I think, for the public, but it is also a system that takes almost one day a week from the top management of the T to devote to this. Is that a wise use of time?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the fiscal control board is, you know, the, it's a professionalized board. The people on that board, you know, are, have an idea about transportation, have an idea what's, what's happening in the world. And, and I think to benefit the public, it's been a very transparent process. We just saw a couple weeks ago the control board, you know, raised the fare on the T, Um, You know, they went through a very public process, and I think the public had a lot of say, um, you know, in in how that was going to be rolled out. Um, And although there was a a raise in the fare, uh, I think due to public participation, there was also, you know, a commitment not to raise the fare on buses and a three-year moratorium before we see another fare increase. Um, So I think, you know, the governor has the appointments, and, you know, we will, you know, collaborate on that and hear from many of the stakeholders, um, you know, municipalities are currently on the MBTs advisory board um, and they have a, a voice, um, you know, to decide, you know, how that, the what the board's going to look like. Um, you know, that'll take, you know, probably the full course of the year uh, in discussions with all the stakeholders. Uh, but I think the board's working and I think it's, you know, the board is established and they're making decisions in a very non-political way. I think the public does have a say and, you know, other experts from other fields are often called upon to test in front of that board, so you know, I think again, I think it's working. I uh,
2: I, I agree, and I, I you packed a lot into your question uh, as to who should make the appointments, and there's any number of models within Massachusetts and around the country of of these kind of entities. You can look over at Massport, see how the terms are staggered, uh, but in one way or another, the public, and I think this is right. Um, ultimately holds our chief executive, the governor responsible. So uh, so it's got to be a kind of mix where you you appoint people who are given responsibility uh, and you let them do their job. I did note from a distance, uh, I think it was an educational process for the control board members this spring with regard to the, uh, the question of raising uh, the fares that um, they had to, if, if they didn't before, they know it now, uh, when they accepted those appointments to those positions, uh, they were not appointed to be aloof, detached board of directors types. Uh, they were going to have to and be expected to make tough and difficult decisions. So uh, I think they came around to that fact that they, uh, they were going to be confronted with what is always uh, raising prices is, is a difficult thing. But the professionalism uh, at the staff level and what went into the information that was before them – uh, I think, uh, brought them around to making a difficult decision, but, uh, but nevertheless uh, doing it. And there's been a discussion on the board.
0: It sort of popped up at, at one of their meetings a month and a half, two months ago, about weighing in on this revenue issue. And there was a lot of consternation, I think, about whether that's their role or whether they have any responsibility to do that. But they seem to be sort of inching in that direction. Uh, And I assume it'll probably be a letter to the legislature or a letter to the governor or something like that. Will that have much impact on Beacon Hill, do you think, as you go into this debate?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we have to we'll, we have to listen to everybody. I mean, the politi- I think as uh, the chairman was saying, um, you know, the the T realized and that board realized that you know there that those decisions are not easily made. They come with a lot of scrutiny. But I would say, you know, I'd credit them and say they had the courage to, to do that. Uh, but you know, we're working towards a transit system, hopefully in this Commonwealth, that you know has the ability to move people and not just cars, and to raise the the. The price of the tea and fares on the tea, and do nothing about the prices of driving. It's really counterintuitive. So I think it's on the legislature, and I, I take some of that responsibility uh, to have the same courage the tea board explain, it, it, you know, um, displayed, and to to take some action and to take you know, swifter action on on raising, uh, you know, the the cost of driving and finding revenue sources uh, to fund our system.
0: For our listeners who may not be familiar with what you're referring to, they sort of said, we're raising the fares, but we shouldn't be doing this in isolation.
1: And you're sort of saying you agree with that. I agree. I mean, raising the fares is the most regressive thing. That that we can do to our transit system. I mean, it affects the the largest swath of our lowest income earners who are you know ri- riding on that public transit system. Um, so I think it's something we we have to do in the in this session.
2: I and and I agree. I I remember being asked by uh, different journalists at the time when the the T fare issue was uh, was being discussed. Uh, well, okay, if 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 fares should go up for the T, what about People who use the other uh, components of the system—the people who might ride in uh, by automobile—and uh, and I said, yes, that's right. They're uh, they're part of the, the mix as well, and that's why I've said uh, if if uh, helping to pay for the system uh, includes uh, changes in the gas tax or or looking at uh, at the way tolling is done, whatever it's done that has to be discussed. Uh, the people who depend on and take the T, whether it's uh, on the bus or on the subways or on the commuter rail, shouldn't feel that they're being expected uh, to shoulder the burden. Uh, that's, that's not what I hear any of my colleagues saying. I think everyone knows um, you have to look uh, across the board at the different ways you can you can uh, fund the system for two purposes. one, to raise money uh, to pay for the infrastructure and the staffing that that's required. And the other that uh, my colleague suggested is uh, 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 his his advocacy on the congestion pricing is uh, to deal with a traffic flow issue. It may not be just for revenue, it's it's really reflecting, uh, the, the price of, uh, should reflect the service that's being provided, and, uh, and, and that ideally uh, influences how people use the transportation system. So we have a couple of different motives going on simultaneously uh, on, on uh, what the cost should be. So one last question about
0: the tea, um, and it, it sort of relates back to the revenue issue. Um, if the T needs more revenue... The governor has been fond of saying, at least when he was running for re-election, that look at, we're going to spend $8 billion, that was the plan, over the next five years, and we're going to have a hard time spending that much money. Uh, so does it make much sense to throw, I, I, I shouldn't be using the word throw, to put more money into the T when it's having trouble doing what it's supposed to be doing now? And that seems—that's a subtle question, but it seems to be a big one because the capacity of the T to do all these projects that they're trying to do, plus improve the existing product, it's a big task. It's a—it's a—it's a monumental task, really. Is money? Because this will be an issue for the governor, I think, to struggle with. Is more money the answer?
1: You know, I, I think planning. Um, you know out over the next, you know, few years and few decades is important and I think, you know, money is the answer. I think our money, you know, where although MassDOT and maybe the MBTA you know, can't spend for the capital projects they have now. Part of the system is the staff of those two agencies and ensuring that those two agencies have uh, the adequate amount of money to hire engineers and planners who can who can complete these projects. Um, so I think that, you know, more money over the long term is going to get us our transit system where it needs to be. Um, and I think we see, you know, when a, Few years ago, I guess, when uh, we raised the gas tax in the legislature, only three cents. Um, you know, it was a little short-sighted to not do it to do be a little bolder on that, um, because you know we're seeing a system now that's failing because of a lack of investment back then. So I think it's crucial and incumbent on us to make the investment now, to put the policies in place now, to ensure that future generations will have adequate money for the transit system. And And I would say to your point of uh, um, however,
2: the Governor has actually phrased it, and so, and the Secretary, I believe, has said pretty much the same theme. Uh, we're spending all we have the ability to spend now, so we, we're not asking for more. If that's a way of saying, I need more staff resources, uh, tell us that, and and we'll address it in that way, because as everyone knows, there's no shortage uh, either on the roadside or the T side of uh, the projects that need to be done and I would point out that the – a a pretty much in the weeds assessment of the road and bridge system that the administration had to and and did uh, publish in December acknowledges within the report uh, long before the ABC study that people have talked about in terms of capital needs uh, at our current spending rate on roads and bridges we actually will not even stay at the same level. The road and bridge system will degrade at our current spending level, and that's in the administration's own documents. So um, I I know the the secretary is well aware of that footnote uh, because she probably oversaw its inclusion in the report. Uh, And so uh, if the administration is in documents telling us that we're not spending enough just to stay where we are, on roads and bridges. If we need capacity as well as money, I mean staff and and uh, engineering capacity, then then we'll have to deal with that too in order to get these uh, projects done and get the state of good repair uh, up to where it should be. And one last question.
0: the um, One of the big new phenomena in transportation right now are the ride-hailing apps, Uber and Lyft. Do they become... Uh, a central part of the way people get around here in the Boston area, primarily in the Boston-Cambridge Boston, area. Um, uh, Massport, which runs the airport, is struggling with what to do with an avalanche of cars from Uber and Lyft coming into their, uh, to, to their terminal area, and they're, they're struggling with how to deal with it. Is this on the, the radar screen of the two of you and, and how you want to approach this debate about transportation and transportation revenues? You're smiling at each other. Right? For, well, for it's people. his district, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do represent the airport. Um,
1: you know, I, I would say that, you know, it, within the, um, the authority of the TNC bill, transportation network company bill that, T, that Uber and Lyft fall in, uh, the legislature give, did give express authority. Uh, to Massport to, you know, manage that situation there. And they're the only agency that has the ability to raise fees and and do things like that beyond the legislature doing that. Uh, And I think that's what Massport's doing. Um, You know, in in the last three years in East Boston, um, around the airport, we've seen, you know, the the worst uh, congestion we've ever seen in the city's history. Um, And, you know, TNCs are not all to blame, but, you know, at you know, take, for example, the Sumner Tunnel project. Um, the Sumner Tunnel, at the mouth of the Sumner Tunnel, MassDOT has removed the toll gantries. Um, and we've seen, you know, an incredible amount of um, traffic right there at that spot. MassDOT, when I got into the legislature three years ago, uh, they came to me and told me that, you know, the, the growth of the volume of traffic would grow over three years, 2.5% at the mouth of the tunnel. Uh, looking back three years, their numbers now, after they've measured uh, exactly the, the amount of cars going through that tunnel, has actually been forty-seven percent growth. Uh, so think of that: over three years, um, you know, we've seen fifty more than you know fifty percent growth of volume through that tunnel. Um, so it's creating a big problem. And TNC is a part of that. So too is the growth of, uh, you know, development in that neighborhood and growth on the North Shore and really a good economy where everyone's driving. But, you know, to say that some of that's not at the airport, I mean, we have 12 million Uber rides, Uber and Lyft rides a year to that airport. They take up about 40 percent, of the, uh, the the curb space at the airport. So the terminals are becoming over congested. Uh, that traffic is spilling out into the airport generally and spilling out into the neighborhoods. And my constituents in East Boston are dealing with that every day. Uh, not just in a traffic way of life, but in a quality way of life and what they're breathing in and you know, from the greenhouse gas emissions emitting from the extra congestion.
0: But I guess my question, Senator, was um, Massport is attempting to deal with that at the airport are you guys looking at it in as the as you said the legislature has authority to to deal with this issue in a broader sense, not just at the airport? Are you thinking about that?
1: You know, I think we are. I think, you know, everything's on the table, like we said before. Uh, We've seen this introduction of TNCs that's contributing to our congestion issues. That's, you know, probably taking money away from our public transit system. Because when people, you know, ride the last mile of their commute, uh, instead of maybe getting on a bus, they're getting into a TNC because it's more convenient. So I think if, you know, they're damaging the system or hurting the system in those two ways, that they're going to have to step up and, um, you know, respond to that and be part of the solution. There's no question
2: that uh, uh, certainly this is what the public wants, the service that's being provided uh, by the Ubers and Lyfts. Uh, But what it's done in terms of congestion anecdotally is is you quiz people who, who are the drivers or look at the license plates, actually a significant portion of the people who commute into the city now, so they've added to just getting in in rush hour, are people who come to work each day. But where do they come to work? They come to work to uh, populate the roadways uh, throughout the day. They don't put the car away somewhere and you have this – call it a lull if that is even remotely appropriate. So uh, that system has, has generated, probably caught everybody by surprise. Uh, anyone who says they saw it coming, I, I, I would doubt it. Uh, uh, and so, uh, yes, the airport's, uh, the Massport's trying to address it. I think they're, myself, overly optimistic in the plan that they've got that how much it will reduce the congestion. I think people will still find other ways to get themselves that convenience of the immediate drop-off or the immediate uh, uh, access to, being, uh, to hailing a ride. Uh, so I'm not as optimistic that they are that they'll have a Uh, a major congestion impact. I'm I'm not happy to say that, but that's uh, my read on their plan. But what it does outside Massport, the issue uh, is raised is because of the historic nature of the way the roads are narrow and laid out in in, uh, Boston and and the immediate uh, communities next to it, uh, we've got a coming competition for all the different ways that people will be traveling around. It will be the cars, it will be the the scooters, it will be the bicycles, it will be the pedestrians and everyone will have what is a traditional competition for space on the roadway and how many separate conceivable lanes there are for safe transit and the curb space uh, is now something planners and, and I'm sure the mayor's office looks at this every day. Uh, As to the parking opportunities, is that a lane of travel that should be opened up on certain major streets in the city of Boston? Uh, That's not an easy one for the the city officials to to look at. But uh, all kinds of ways that the the paved areas of uh, the major city uh, are being handled are going to have to be considered during the next 5, 10, 15 years.
0: Representative William Strauss, Senator Joseph Boncori, thank you very much. This was a very enlightening discussion. I appreciate it. Hope to have you back after the bill is done. Happy to. We look (laughs) forward to it.